BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Monday, August 14th, 2017, and you're listening to Inquiring Minds. I'm Kishore Hari. Indre will be back next week. Each week, we bring you a new, in-depth exploration of the space where science, politics, and society collide. We endeavor to find out what's true, what's left to discover, and why it all matters. Find us online at inquiring.show or on Twitter at inquiringshow and on Facebook. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or any other podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. With an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash minds. Next week brings us the Great American Solar Eclipse, the first total solar eclipse over North America in decades and the first in the internet age. So unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard a lot about the eclipse. But for those who haven't, this week we're diving deep into Eclipse Mania, including some last-minute tips for those who haven't planned accordingly. But I have to admit, I'm an Eclipse skeptic. No, I don't mean I think there's a flat Earth out there that's going to cast a line across the moon. But I've never understood the fervor of why so many have this incredible experience of when the sun goes dark just for a few minutes. But even a skeptic like myself was warmed by this week's guest. We have on Andrew Fracknoy, longtime astronomer and esteemed public educator. He's chair emeritus of the astronomy department at Foothill College, and he'll be joining the faculty at the University of San Francisco this fall. He's written a children's book about the eclipse entitled When the Sun Goes Dark and partnered with the National Science Teachers Association on hands-on eclipse activities perfect for school. So let's take a short break and we'll be back with my interview with Andrew Fractoy. This week's episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people for your jobs. And that's what's so different about ZipRecruiter. It matches the right people better than anyone else. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails, simply screen, rate, manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy to use dashboard. 
Right now, listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, totally free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash minds. That again is ZipRecruiter.com slash minds. And this week's episode is brought to you by Audible with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. For the astronomy junkies out there, I highly recommend Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson or one of my favorite books of 2015, Black Hole Blues by former guest Jana Levin. For your free audiobook with a 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash minds. That's audible.com slash minds. Andrew Fracknoy, welcome to Inquiring Minds. Good to be with you. So I have to ask, I have never seen a total eclipse, and there is a sort of fanaticism surrounding this. So, a- Andrew, have you ever witnessed a, a full solar eclipse? And can you tell us why this is such a monumentous occasion? Yes, I, I have seen them, and they really are an awesome sight. I mean, what happens is that as you watch, day turns into night. Uh, the sky goes dark, a hush descends over the world, animals don't quite know what's happening, people ooh and ah. And what happens is that the sky, as it turns dark, starts to reveal stars where the sun once was. And around the dark, round body of the moon, which is covering the sun, you see this faint glowing halo which is the outer atmosphere of the sun, which we usually don't get to see. So it really is, if I can say this from an astronomer, an unearthly kind of sight. And people who have seen it all say, this is something at least once in your life you have to witness. Eclipses aren't uncommon, but what's different about this eclipse versus some others? Well, first of all, this is the first eclipse over North America of the internet age. So there will be more information available about this eclipse and more misinformation available about this eclipse, perhaps any other eclipse in history. Second of all, uh, eclipses can happen anywhere on Earth, and they often happen because of the Earth's surface is two-thirds water. They often happen over uninhabited areas or islands with small populations, and only rich people with yachts can go there and somehow see the eclipse. So I like to say this is the most democratic eclipse in some time because the total eclipse falls over the United States, and the partial eclipse will be visible to everyone in North America. So this may well turn out to be the most witnessed eclipse in history. I've heard it referred to as the great American solar eclipse. I, I guess that we're manifest destining the, the solar <laughs> eclipse these days. Um, That's right. I, I think the administration in Washington is going to take full credit for it as soon as they wake up to the fact that it's happening. Obviously, this eclipse has garnered um, a great deal of attention in the United States. Do we have any idea of how many people could be participating in the viewing? So this is, this is an interesting issue. Uh, 12 million people or so live within the 60 to 70 mile wide zone where the total eclipse will be visible. And hundreds of thousands of visitors are expected from not just all over the United States, but all over the world. Now, so far, so good. 
uh, although this is not an eclipse that goes over very large metropolitan areas, most of it's rural or or uh, forested or small towns. Nevertheless, uh, I think the zone is perfectly up to having a few hundred thousand visitors. The scary part is that uh, cartographer Michael Zeiler has calculated that 47 million people live within a hundred mile drive of the total eclipse zone. If even 10 million of those people hear about the eclipse the weekend before and decide at the spur of the moment just to jump in the car with, with the spouse and the kids and drive up to the eclipse, then the area where the total eclipse is visible will be completely overwhelmed. And roads will be, will be gridlocked, uh, services will really be overtaxed. Uh, I've listened to a, a couple of discussions with emergency management people in the Department of Transportation, and one of the things they're very concerned about is just porta potties. Will there be enough places for all those people to go to the bathroom? So that's what we don't know. That's the unknown variable in planning for the eclipses. How many spontaneous last-minute visitors the zone will receive. But given all of that, this sounds like it may be the most watched eclipse ever. Let's actually talk about some of the details for our listeners who may not may not be in the know of everything. They may be in the dark. Describe its pathway across the continental United States. Right. So the, the eclipse begins in the Pacific Ocean, and the total eclipse zone, the, sh the dark shadow spot that the shadow of the moon makes on the Earth, will start on a beach in Oregon, move across 12 states diagonally, and will then end up on a beach in South Carolina, from which it moves outward into the Atlantic Ocean. The eclipse will spend about one hour and 37 minutes in the continental United States. And during that time, anyone in that 60 to 70 mile wide zone will be able to see the total eclipse. The rest of us will see a partial eclipse where the moon and the sun are not completely lined up. And so we will only see part of the sun covered. Uh, here in San Francisco, where I am, 67% of the sun will be covered. Um, and in different parts of the country, we'll have different amounts of coverage. In uh, Washington, D.C., 81% of the sun will be covered by the moon. And uh, people tell me that's the usual level of cover-up in Washington, D.C. No, <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that. Um, but anyway, so people will see a pretty substantial eclipse in most of the United States. And for that, though, people will need protection for their eyes because the sun's rays are so intense. It will be very important if you plan to look at the partial eclipse, if even a small part of the sun is showing, that you protect your eyes, either with uh, special glasses made for viewing eclipses or by projecting an image of the sun with a mirror or a pinhole camera so that you're not looking at the sun itself. Now, in terms of places that people can get uh, the glasses at the last minute, do you have any recommendations for last minute eclipse watchers? One of the great things that has happened in this eclipse is that the uh, Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation uh, near San Francisco and Google have joined together to make 2.2 million eclipse glasses available free of charge 
through public libraries nationwide. So for many of our listeners, I think the number one thing to do is to call your local library, see if they're participating in the StarNet Eclipse Glasses distribution program, and then go to your library and see if you can pick up a pair of glasses for your family to use. If you can't, uh, many places will be selling these inexpensive paper glasses. Uh, certainly all science museums around the country will have them. Many colleges, uh, bookstores in colleges which have astronomy departments will have them. Uh, nature centers will have them. Um, some hardware stores carry them. Uh, some branches of Lowe's, the hardware uh, chain, will have them. Uh, Walmart will be carrying uh, glasses, at least some of the Walmart outlets. So first checking probably before the eclipse weekend, before the 19th and the 20th. By then, I think there'll be a run on eclipse glasses. But uh, wise listeners to this program should go early to some of these places and see if they can get a pair of glasses. You mentioned at the top that this is the first um, total solar eclipse in the internet age. How do you think that's going to impact how this is viewed and documented? Well, a couple of ways that uh, that I can immediately think of. One is, and this is a real concern we have, has to do with the schools. Um, we now think, based on informal surveys, that half the schools in the United States will be in session August 21, and half the schools will not have started. Even those schools that are in session, often it's the first day of school uh, for the teachers and the kids. So uh, one of the issues is, what will schools do? And there are rumors, you hear this in a lot of anecdotal stories, and you see it on some websites, that people are telling schools that there should be no one watching the eclipse because eclipse rays are dangerous. Um, and there's no such thing as eclipse rays. There are no special emanations from the sun uh, when the eclipse is happening. It's just looking at the sun with your naked eye that's dangerous during an eclipse like it's always dangerous. So we're worried that some teachers or principals will keep all the kids locked up inside the school instead of uh, getting glasses or some way of projecting the sun and letting kids share in the cosmic excitement. That's one concern we have. The other is that um, because the Internet is such an easy place to sell things, there are some people who are selling Eclipse glasses that are not certified. Uh, the, the, the glasses that uh, you need to use have on the back of them a, a statement that says they are up to a certain standard, uh, which the eye doctors have set for us to make sure it's safe for your eyes and that there may be places now on the internet selling uh, glasses that are sort of knockoffs and not made to the same standards. Uh, one way that, that your listeners can make sure is to ask what the source of the glasses are. Uh, there are two companies in the U.S. that make these glasses in bulk. One is called American Paper Optics, and the other one is called Rainbow Symphony. Uh, you can go to their websites and find glasses there, and just check with the people selling you the glasses and make sure they come from a reputable source. But um, I think for the most part, the certified glasses are fine. 
the third problem with the Internet is that there are already stories that somehow this eclipse is a sign from the deity or uh, some kind of a, a warning to us and that it spells the end of the world. And so we want to make sure, given the, the, the theme of your program, that your listeners help us with getting the word out that there's nothing special about this eclipse in terms of portents or signs. This is just one of the normal workings of the clockwork of the solar system. I've heard that a number of organizations will be um, filming the eclipse, documenting the eclipse as it goes across the country. Is there any efforts like that? And, and what do you think the product of that is going to look like? Well, yes, there are actually two citizen science projects that are happening during the eclipse, which I think are very exciting. Uh, one project is called the Eclipse Mega Movie. And the other one is called Citizen Kate, C-A-T-E. And each of them is involving photographers, uh, not just people with cell phone cameras, but, but serious photographers, and asking them if they are in the total eclipse zone to take pictures of the eclipse and then wirelessly uh, send them to project headquarters. The more, the more populated project is Eclipse Mega Movie, and you, the photographers will send their pictures directly to Google. And there's a team at Google which is ready to receive all these Eclipse pictures from anywhere in the United States where it's total, to put them together so they're all the same scale, and then to make a movie of what the sun's atmosphere was doing uh, in this hour and 37 minutes that the uh, eclipses over the United States. And that's exciting because the sun's atmosphere is variable. It's a seething, energetic, and hot region where magnetic forces and, and the heat of the sun combine to have great flame, great, great, great um, uh projections, great streams of hot material uh, come out of the sun. And so we study the Earth, uh, the sun's atmosphere to understand more about the activity on the sun. And here we will have an hour and 30 minute movie of what's happened on the sun, how the sun has worked during that time. And that will help researchers as well as making a beautiful record of the eclipse. Is there any research benefit for this, given how rare total eclipses are, especially over zones like this that are going to be populated by a number of astronomers and astronomy organizations? Is there any sort of um, research that will be conducted while the eclipse is happening? So yes and no. Uh, certainly all the telescopes whose aim is to observe the sun, what we call solar telescopes, uh, in the United States will be aimed uh, at the sun during this time uh, to try to study it. But uh, frankly, these days, uh, solar astronomers have other ways of essentially eclipsing the sun without waiting for nature to do it. Uh, they can put a, a dark disk in front of the sun. They can observe the sun in different kinds of light from outer space. So it's not that we're absolutely dependent on the eclipse for understanding the sun, but it's one more piece of the puzzle. To have such a long time to keep a record of the sun, that will help in our study of the sun. And then it's more a historical idea. It reminds us that the atmosphere of the sun was actually discovered 
during eclipses. We had no way to know uh, that it was there until eclipses revealed it to us. And so that, that we owe a lot to earlier eclipse researchers who helped us to, to put the structure of the sun on a much more uh, competent level. I'm curious with all of the talk in astronomy circles lately about exoplanets and potential missions to other planets, including Mars, um, how common are eclipses on, um, on other worlds uh, throughout the universe? This is a remarkable coincidence that many of our listeners may not know. As seen from Earth, the disk of the sun and the disk of the moon happen to be exactly the same size. And because of that, the moon can, if they're lined up just the right way, get in front of the sun and block the sun completely. Uh, we've calculated if this is true from any other planet-moon combination in the solar system, and it's not. For example, we actually have pictures from the surface of Mars when one or the other of the two moons of Mars got in front of the sun. And it's never a total eclipse because those moons are too small. They also have the problem that they're not around they have the shape of diseased potatoes and so those those little moons couldn't block the sun even if they were in some way the same size because they don't have the right shape so we're pretty lucky to be on earth the only planet where total eclipses are possible now how common is this phenomenon going to be for our listeners that can't participate in this total eclipse so typically in any given spot on earth uh, hundreds, maybe several hundreds years go by before you get another eclipse. Uh, the last eclipse we had going across the United States was in 1918. But this time we are lucky. It turns out that in only seven years, another total eclipse will cross the United States. So put this date on your social calendars, April 8th, 2024, there will be another U.S.-oriented eclipse. It will not take the same path as the eclipse on August 21st. It'll cross paths with it. It'll make a kind of X on the map of the U.S. with the August eclipse that's coming up. But still, we will have another U.S. eclipse uh, on April 8th, 2024. So if you miss this one, make sure you gear up for that other one. Do you have any advice for our listeners who may not have made eclipse plans at this point, what they should do? Well, a couple of pieces of advice for, for eclipse viewers. If you want to go see the spectacular total eclipse, you do need to plan ahead. Um, of course, hotels and motels and campgrounds are pretty uh, much gone in the total eclipse zone, but new places are opening up if you search on the web. Universities in the total eclipse zone are opening more dormitories. Uh, uh, several communities are coming together and renting out uh, spaces to park your car or your RV in those little towns where the eclipse will be visible. So it's not too late, I think, if people really want to make some kind of arrangement, but do it now. Don't leave it uh, until a couple of days before the eclipse. If you are going to go spontaneously into the uh, total eclipse zone, make sure you're prepared. 
That is, make sure you have food and water with you. Make sure you go into the area with a totally full tank of gas so that if there are huge crowds and you get delayed, uh, you can just be philosophical about it. Now, for those listeners who are not going to get to see the total eclipse, but only the partial eclipse, my most important advice is to plan ahead as you would for a day on the beach. If you're going to stand outside, it'll take uh, about two hours, more than two hours, for the moon to slowly move across uh, from one side of the sun uh, to maximally eclipse the sun and then to go off the sun. Uh, It'll take quite a bit of time, and that'll mean standing in the sun. And so make sure you take the usual precautions for standing in the sun, that you have a hat for everybody, that you remember to bring sunscreen, that you bring lots of water to help hydrate the people who are with you, and so on, as if you were going to the beach. Um, And the most important thing I can wish for your listeners is clear skies. Uh, The one other a fly in the ointment here is whether or not it will be cloudy where you are on the day of the eclipse. August in the United States tends to be a time when we get summer thunder showers, when we get cloud cover, particularly on the East Coast. Uh, so an important thing to keep your eye on are weather predictions for August 21st. Um, there is a, uh, a meteorologist named Jay Anderson, who is the world eclipse weather expert. He has a website called eclipsophile.com, and he and other meteorologists are keeping good track of the history of weather in the United States on August 21, making predictions for what are the most likely places for clear skies and the least likely places. And certainly that's another thing you want to inform yourself about, the chances of good weather in the place that you're picking for eclipse viewing. For any teachers that might be listening, are there any resources for them in terms of activities that they can do with students or activities that parents can do at home that relate to the eclipse? Well, so yes, the National Science Teachers Association uh, has very active in supplying materials and articles and books for teachers and students on the subject. Um, my co-author, Dennis Schatz, and I have been working with them. We uh, published a book for them uh, called Solar Science, which is full of classroom activities that teachers can do to uh, get students thinking about the moon, the sun, and their relationships. Uh, and we've also published for the, for the nonprofit National Science Teachers Association a children's book called When the Sun Goes Dark, which is an illustrated storybook uh, to help families discuss what's going on in eclipses, how eclipses work. And this book, When the Sun Goes Dark, suggests a number of fun activities you can do with simple materials in your home to simulate eclipses, simulate the orbits of the sun and the moon, and uh, have kids appreciate what's going to be happening before the eclipse actually occurs in the sky. I want to go back to something we mentioned um, at the top, that you've seen a total eclipse before. Um, What is your sort of favorite part of that experience of seeing the total eclipse um, for our listeners that might be going? So the total eclipse is a very short thing. That's very important to emphasize. So uh, this time around, uh, it's an especially short eclipse, maybe uh, about two minutes, two and a half minutes in many locations that, that people are going to be watching it. So it's important, first of all, to be ready for those two minutes. 
my number one advice for people for whom this is your first eclipse is make a vow for yourself not to fiddle with equipment or try to take pictures uh, if this is the first time you see an eclipse. Just experience it. It's absolutely gorgeous. You will want to take in the whole scene, the sky above you, the horizon might still be light and yet it's dark above you. Uh, it's such an amazing thing. It's best to use all your senses and just experience it. But it starts even before the eclipse gets total. As the sun gets more and more covered by the moon, and if you're using safe glasses to look at it, you'll see more and more of this giant bite taken out of the sun, which is fun to watch. And then at the very last moment, when the partial eclipse turns into a total eclipse, you get something called the diamond ring effect. The last little glimmer of the sun becomes visible through a valley on the side of the moon. And so it looks like there's a, a flash of light that looks like a diamond ring, and the ring itself is already the atmosphere of the sun coming out. Uh, many eclipse chasers find that to be one of the most spectacular things they've seen. So there's a diamond ring effect when the moon is about to cover the sun, and then just when the sun begins to emerge, there's another diamond ring effect. And that diamond ring is not only beautiful, but it's the sign to you that you then need to get your eclipse glasses back on. During the eclipse, you can watch. It's perfectly safe when the eclipse is total. You can just watch with your naked eye. But as soon as you see the second diamond ring, it's time to protect your eyes with your eclipse glasses again. And where are you going to be for this year's eclipse? Well, we're going to be in central Oregon. Uh, I, I practice what I preach, so I've studied those weather reports and the weather history. And uh, in terms of the, the, the chances of cloud cover, central Oregon, so not the beaches of Oregon and not exactly eastern Oregon, but in the middle of Oregon seems to be an especially good place for chances of clear weather. So that's, that's where I and a, a group of friends and family are going to be watching the eclipse. Well, I wish you clear skies and total enjoyment of this year's total eclipse. Andrew Fracknoy, well, thank you so much for being on Inquiring Minds. A great pleasure talking with you. So that's it for another episode. I want to thank you for joining us on this installment of Inquiring Minds. And we'd also like to thank our supporters on our Patreon campaign, especially David Noel, Clark Lindgren, Michael Galgul, Kyle Ryle, Joel, Jonathan Worsley, Yushi Lin, Eric Clark, John Kirk, Jordan Millar, Harrington, Sean Johnson, and Nick Cadillac. You can visit our website, inquiring.show, and you can support us at patreon.com slash inquiringminds, or find us on Twitter at inquiringshow, or on Facebook. You can send us comments, feedback, future guest ideas, your favorite memory of the 2017 solar eclipse, or anything else you'd like to contact at inquiring.show. Inquiring Minds is produced by Adam Isaac in cooperation with the Climate Desk, a journalistic collaboration in partnership with many media outlets. Our music is provided by award-winning producer Rian Sheehan. And I'm your host, Kishore Hari. Indre will be back next week. See you then. This week's episode was once again brought to you by Audible, with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and a whole lot of science. For a free audiobook with a 30-day trial, 
Sign up today at audible.com slash minds. That's audible.com slash minds. There is no better place for audiobooks on the internet than Audible. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.